our culture has placed in us a twist. And the twist that comes from Satan, in this, from the invisible world that impacts the visible world, is this twist. Is that sex is just an activity. It's just an activity. Sexual activity is seen as an isolated event, an animalistic um, urge or, or action, only to be thought of in the context of the moment. Rather than seeing sex as a gift created by God to be uniquely experienced for only married people, sex has become simply an act. And this redefinition has occurred over the period of time. And um, during the 1960s, there was a free love movement. And, and because that didn't really work out and people really decided that they needed rules, we came up with what I would say the three rules of sex in our culture today. The first is this. You can have consensual sex. That's okay. As long as, and usually between adults, I mean, and, 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 and that's sort of the usually thing. And, and, and it's okay if it's consensual. And if they're adults, sort of, maybe. And that all sex should be safe sex is the, is the second thing. Is that as long as it's safe sex, it's good sex. And the third sex that is, is promoted, the, the rule that's promoted is casual sex is okay when you really need it. And what casual sex is, friends with benefits. And so we live in this culture, and, and how do we get this message? Where do we get this message from? We get the message from magazines, and I'm not talking about Playboy or Hustler. What I'm talking about is, is magazines like Red Book. You know, magazines like, like Red Book that will say, you know, how to satisfy your man, and there's no context of being in a married relationship. There's no talk of a husband, but rather it's about pleasing your man, whoever that may be. It's also pr- prominent in, in the TV Guide. Who's sleeping with who, and who's doing what the when, and all that kind of thing. And so, so, so in our culture, it's permeated throughout it. Catalogs where every 15-year-old wants to know Victoria's Secret. The internet is probably the most hideous of them all. Because the internet is such a powerful, powerful tool used, by, used in our culture. To promote sex simply as an activity. Simply as an activity that really doesn't impact life. For see, Satan has a goal. And his goal is to destroy your capacity for intimacy. To destroy your capacity for intimacy with others that you can see. And especially with your Father in heaven who you cannot see. He wants to go after your capacity to be intimate. Now, what does the Bible have to say about it? And so there's a pushback. Some of you are thinking, he's the preacher. What does he know about sex? When we had our, um, we're pregnant with our fourth child, someone came up to me, and, and I just got tired of it, you know, because we lived in, in um, Massachusetts where having larger families was, was really wrong. And um, uh, someone came up to me and says, well, you know how that happens? And I says, yep, and I enjoy it every time. I mean, I, and that was my response. Because, because see, see, there's a pushback, and, and you know what the pushback is? Is I feel like an Old Testament prophet when it comes to this subject. I really do. Because you know what? Because the way I feel about it is that, that, that some of you are thinking, you know what, Jeff, go to your well. Go down, go down to your, to your cave, Jeff, where you belong. Get out of here. Matter of fact, if you don't shut up, we're going to saw you in half. I mean, it's just, just because, see, what the pushback is here, the pushback is this, is that most people here today, or many of you here today, are going, blah, 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 preacher, get a clue. 
get a clue. You don't know what it's like. You don't have any idea. I'm a red-blooded American male. Living in the same culture that you did. I was raised during the 70s, and guess what? In the 70s, there were belly buttons back then. Weren't there? The tube top and the halter top, the hip hucker jeans, all existed back in the 70s when I came of age. And a lot of you are going to say, well, that was interesting, Jeff. But we're going out because you don't understand. You're going to leave. Out there in this world, blah, blah, blah. You're a bad pastor because I didn't make you feel good today. So we're going to put on our prophet's hat and try to preach the truth in love. Because see, most of us think of what I'm going to say today is so impractical. But when you drill down and you go deep, you know what I'm saying today is the truth. When you drill down deep, you know what I'm saying is true. Andy Stanley tells a story about um, what, when he used to be youth minister and he was teaching in the youth ministry and he happened to be teaching one night about sex and he's telling the students about it and, and there was a lady who came in who had just become a Christian and, and uh, she was a woman in her 30s and she was sort of, you know, hot and she was like one of these ladies that was, you know, just divorced and she was sort of cruising, doing the dating thing and it was all so, so wonderful and, and uh, so she um, came up to him in a few weeks later and not that night, but a few weeks later, he says, you know that, that, that sex thing, which is sort of an odd way of starting a conversation, but, but that's how it started. You know that sex thing, that, 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 that really only applied to teenagers, right? It doesn't apply to adults, does it? And she was sincere. I mean, she was really, honestly sincere. Sincere. And you know, and sometimes as a preacher, you get these comments that, that you know, that these these. these questions that are asked in the hallway, and it's, you're supposed to give this um, soundbite answer, and it's sort of like, um, how did they build the space shuttle? You know, and you're supposed to give it in a soundbite answer. And so, so Andy Stanley prayed up to God and says, God, I need a soundbite. I need a soundbite. I need a soundbite. And, and God gave him this answer, this question. Has sex outside of marriage made your life better or just more complicated? Has sex out of marriage made your life better or just made it more complicated? And the woman looked and said, it just made it more complicated. See, guys, you know that when, when you go leave town and you're going off on a, maybe a business trip or something by yourself, don't you sort of wish that you could leave part of yourself behind? Don't you just sort of wish that, you know, whenever you went to a beach, you sort of wanted to leave that, 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 sort of that part behind, that, that part that you sort of hate about yourself, that, that distracts you, that part of you that, that just, oh, wish I wasn't that way. Wish it didn't happen to me. Or whenever you're, you're there in the hotel room and there's the, there's the remote and the cable's calling and, you know, you're clicking through the channels, you want, man, I wish I, you know, just, just wish you would leave that part behind you. Wish you kept it in back in the, in the storeroom. Wish it didn't happen to you. Some of you today don't get to put all your kids to bed at night because of sex. 
Because you were married before you were married. For some of you, your wife was so sensual. Your husband was so hunkish. You know, but three months, four months, six months into the marriage, something turned off. Click was made. And it's not that way anymore. And you wonder who stole your wife, who stole your husband. Let's face the fact that the way that we're approaching sex in America is not working. That it's not working. You are not better off. I'm not better off. It doesn't make your life better. It makes your life more complicated, more difficult, more of a struggle. It did not make it, and if it didn't, isn't making your life complicated now in your younger life, where you are right now, in the next stage of life, in the, in, 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 or maybe the next stage after that, guess what? It's going to get more complicated. It's going to get more difficult. And if you watch the news, and you take out Iraq, you just take out Iraq, you watch the news, 90%, 90% of news stories have a sexual connotation to it. And it just proves night after night, night after night, that sex, the way we teach it in America, is no longer working. It's not working. Now, if you were God and you knew what people needed, what would you say? See, our culture just wants to make a buck from sex. That's all our culture wants to do. Just a little cash, a little dollar, a little dough. But the God who loves you comes to tell you the truth. And God says, sex is for marriage. Back in 1984 in the Stone Ages, um, I met this girl who grew up, and don't laugh at this, don't laugh at this, I met this girl who said, sex was for marriage. She not only was taught that, she believed it. And enforced it. And you know what? When I married her a year later, we never had sex. And we survived until that day. And you know what? I have no regrets about that. When Tina and I, when Tina walked down that aisle in that white dress, she earned it. She earned that thing. And there's no regrets. There's no guilt about it. There's no shame about it. It was a beautiful day for me. (laughs) I hope it was for her. You know, but I've talked to many people. And I've never heard anyone say, you know what? I wish, we, I wish I had more sex. I wish I had more partners. I, I wish I had done more. I wish I experienced more. I wish I would have done, you know, just, you know just, just a few more people, just a couple more, got it in, you know. Wish that would have happened. The reason they say this is because sex outside of marriage complicates your life. 
It does not make your life easier. The truth is, sex is for married people. See, sex is like a fire. A fire in the fire pit is good, right? A fire raging through the forest? Bad! Right? I mean, think about it. A fire in the fireplace? Good. Fire in the living room? Bad. I mean, whenever I, whenever I go, go you know, out, out, out to our, our little fire pit that's out there, guess what? Guess who brings the matches? Me. Okay? And I have the kids gather up some sticks and throw some kerosene on that baby, and we light this fire, and it's going, and, you know, in the fall, whenever it's uh, uh, hot and dry, I don't let the kids run through the cornfield with, 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 uh, with a stick on fire going, ha, ah, because that would be what? Because fire in the cornfield, fire in the forest, fire in the living room is extraordinarily dangerous and extraordinarily destructive. Extraordinarily destructive to our relationships, to our lives. Listen to it. When it comes to sex, God brought the matches. He piled up the first set of sticks, and he lit the light, and he looked at it, and you know what he said to the angels? Says, angels, watch this. And the angel says, we've seen this before. Between animals. He says, no, 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 look at this. Oh! The angel says, I think maybe I'd like to be human. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, because it's such a cool thing. It's such a gift from God. See, this is so obvious because it's not working in our culture. It's so obvious that it's not working. It should be as obvious as, don't forget to eat. It should be so obvious that, that it should be, should be like, you know, just so, so, so clue-free that don't forget to breathe. No, someone doesn't have to tell you to breathe. And so today we're going to look at some verses from 1 Corinthians, from the, the letter that Paul writes to this church that's within this context, where sex is simply an activity. A matter of fact, whenever you went to the temple to worship whatever God you were worshiping, guess what you could go there to do? Pay for a prostitute. Is that was the kind of community that they lived in. So sex is an activity. So I want us to look at, we're going to look for verses 15 through 20. I want to start with verse 18, though. And I want us to look at verse 18. And it says this, flee from sexual immorality. That's what it says, flee from sexual immorality. And so I have to define what sexual immorality is, don't I? That's what I've got to do. I've got to define it. L say you're living together. You're thinking, you're thinking to yourself, I agree we should flee from sexual immorality. I agree with that. You're right. I should flee from sexual immorality. But I'm in a committed relationship. I'm in this consensual thing. It's okay. It's not sexually immoral. For some of you, for some of you you're saying, well, well, I've got a wife and a girlfriend on the side, and I love them both, and it's, it's, it's this hot thing going on, or, or, or I've got a, a, my husband and a man on the side, and you know, I've got this thing going on. I love them both. You know, I agree with you. We should flee sexual immorality, but, but that doesn't apply to me. Or maybe you've got an Internet habit, habit and you say to yourself, you know what? You know what? I, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not being sexually immoral. And so I have to give you a Bible's definition. Because if we don't have a Bible's definition, we're not going to be on the same page. And so here's the Bible's definition. Sexual immorality 
Is any, any, is any, is any sexual activity and sensuality outside, outside the bonds of marriage? Outside the context of marriage. Any sexual activity or sensuality outside the context of marriage. And what he says here is you've got to flee it. You've got to run away from it. Now, he gives the reason why. Look at verse 18. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, what does it say there? Is that sexual sin is in a category all of its own. It's in its own category. It's in its own unique place. He says all other sins, right? All other sins, except for this one. Now, why is it different? Is it because God hates that one more? No, 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 no. It's not how God reacts to it. It's how we react to it. It's what happens in us and to us It's what happens in our soul. It's what happens in our person. And it's what happens to our spirit. It's what happens to even our body. See, a seven-year-old can be molested. And when she is 47 years old, guess what? It's still impacting her. And it wasn't even her sin. It wasn't even her sin. It was somebody else's sin. See, sexual sin is different. It's a fire out of the fire pit. And it's extraordinarily destructive. Look at verse 15. Let's go back up. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Is that, that your bodies, your bodies were, are, when you become a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your body becomes a member of Jesus Christ himself. You see that? See that? You become part of it. You become part of Jesus Christ. You are a member of Jesus. Okay, then he goes on. Shall I then take the members of Christ, and what is the word, and what? I can't hear you. Unite with a prostitute. Unite. That's a tough word. You know what that means? It means to glue together, super glue, to become one. Get out the epoxy and put two things together, and there's a oneness there. There is a oneness that happens. See, unite, unite. it's not a, a sexual activity. What is it? When you have sex with somebody, you unite with them. Look at verse um, 16. Do you, know that, do you not know that he who, what? Unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For it is said, the two will become one flesh. See, back in high school, whenever you were in that car, or on your parents' couch, you united with. You became one with. And when you separated, when you walked away, You left a part of yourself behind. And you took a part of them with you. When you were with your husband, and then when you're with your husband or with your wife, there are these ghosts. There are these ghosts who come 
Your kids ask questions about what you did when you were in high school. Ask questions about what you did when you were in college. Ask questions what you did in your 20s. And what seemed to be not a big deal then is a huge deal today. Why does it follow? Why does it go along with us? What is it about this topic? What, what is it about it that it follows us wherever we go? Because sex isn't physical. It's intimacy. It includes a physical aspect, yes. But it's intimacy. It's a oneness. And God gave us the gift to illustrate and create a sense of intimacy. And when you mess up this sex as intended by God, you foul up your intimacy factor. Your ability to be intimate with anyone and with God. For it says, look at Genesis 2. He goes all the way back to creation. And what does he say? For the two shall become one flesh. There is a oneness, a oneness that cannot be completely undone. There's a oneness that you cannot just go. And there's a piece of you left behind. And there's a piece of them that you take with you. God doesn't say the reason that, that, that sex out of marriage is wrong is because you'll get an STD or that you'll get pregnant. The reason that our God says don't have sex outside of marriage is that you're going to put a dent into your very soul. And you know that's true. You know that. You know that it puts a dent in your soul. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Verse 18, let's go back there. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually... Sins against his own body. See, whenever you sin sexually, you hurt yourself. And you think, you think, you think that the reason that you have difficulty being intimate with someone is because of the way you've been treated badly by people, badly by somebody. It's not that. It's because you haven't dealt with this. And the reason that you have problems in your bedroom with your wife doesn't have anything to do with all the things you think it has to do with if this is part of your life and you've sinned against your body. Because whenever you sin sexually, you bring down your intimacy factor. So what are you to do with this? What are you going to do with this? For some of you, you're going, blah, 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 blah. You're a bad pastor. I mean, you are. You're saying to yourself, what does he know? He's a Jesus freak. And there's a pushback. And you're going to go out, and you're going to leave this room, and you're going to do whatever you please. I have one word for you. Remember. Remember, 
Because at some time, whenever you're at the top of the heap or you're at the bottom of the heap, guess what? It'll all come home to roost. It will. It'll all come home to roost. It'll come. And if you're at the top of the game and you're, man, you are Mr. Cool or Miss, you know, hot and whatever, and you're just, whoo, man, I am just on the ball and I've got, you know, I've got a guy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just there and I'm just so cool. And you're at the top of the heap and top of the game. And then one day you wake up and you say, it ain't working. My life isn't any better. It's just more complicated. It's just more difficult. It's just more hard. And maybe you're at the bottom of the heap and relationships become so much about working at it and so much about, about, about the hurt and so much, you know, just, just this whole thing and you're going to be going, it ain't working. My life's just more complicated. It's just more difficult. It's just harder. Because see, it's about intimacy. It's about oneness. But some of you, I also have one word for you. And this is the one word. Repent. Repent. And maybe you have to do what I've done. And, and I've had to confess to God some of the things, that I, the things that I've done in this area that was wrong. Things from high school that was wrong. Things from my early 20s that was wrong the stuff in between, the thoughts I've had that was wrong. You've got to go up to the Father. And I want to tell you, this is the way you do it. You go to him and you confess. Everyone that comes to your memory, you confess it and say, Lord, that was sin. Lord, that was sin. That picture, that garage, you know, that garage photos, or maybe like you, you, you went to your dad's uh, uh, nightstand and you opened up the drawer and you looked at her and that, that image is placed on your mind, and you've got to confess it and bring it before the Lord and say, you know what, that was sin. That was sin. Maybe you have to go back and confess, you know, that high school relationship or that, that, that college relationship, or maybe you're in a relationship now that you need to end like the day. Just end it. See, it was not simply a pastime. It was a pathway the lack of intimacy. Another thing is lifestyle changes. For some of you, you need to get rid of the internet at home. Can't live without it. Yes, you can. You need to get rid of it because it's destroying your brain. It's taking all this sideways energy in your life. And guys, you feel like crap. Sorry. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, you just feel like dirt because you've got this habit. Or maybe you have to yank the cable out and get rid of it. Stop letting your kids watch junk. If you're single, may I suggest something to you? No dating for a year. Oh, Jeff, you don't understand. He says, you know what? Most of you aren't dating anyhow. If you are living with somebody 
and you're not married to that person, and you're having sex with them, move out. Move out. Get out. Oh, but you don't understand. Yeah. Get out. Get out. See, you've got to take extraordinary actions because it's extraordinarily destructive. You don't go to the zoo and the lions and tigers and bears are left loose. You don't do that. Why? You put the, because it's extraordinarily dangerous. You don't do it. And it is extraordinarily dangerous for you to play with it. Paul says flee from sexual immorality. See, this will not just simply kill you. It will kill Generation upon generation. I know this. My grand, great-grandmother was pregnant with my grandmother before they, she got married. My grandmother was pre- pregnant with my aunt. My aunt was pregnant with her daughter. My mom was pregnant with my, her, her, my brother. I understand this. And I understand that you're not just messing up your own. You're messing up the generations that follow. You're messing and you're going to be one, and you're going to be sitting there, and you're going to, you're going to, your kid's going to come up to you and go, guess what, I'm, and I've, and you're going to go, ah! well, why, you know, you have no right to go, ah! because you've passed it on. You have to go be extreme. If you go with the culture, there is no happily ever after. Some of you who are married need to repent together. You need to get with each other and you need to confess what you did before you were married and confess it what it was. It was sin. You just need to do that. You need to acknowledge it, own it, receive Christ's forgiveness and grace because it's extraordinarily dangerous. So your ability for intimacy is greatly and directly connected to your ability to obey this command, to flee sexual immorality. Because see, this is a heart issue. This is a soul issue. And some of you, some of us, need to repent. 